It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from different parts of the world to come together with a brotherly and sisterly love. Well, in the case of today's episode, brotherly love and uh, discuss what's been happening in our countries with our cultures. And uh, we talk about the, the those things, hopefully with different opinions uh, or at least, you know, our, our local uh, culture and history's opinion. And uh, today we are going to be entirely in the Judeo-Christian culture of the West, Um, although we will have a little message from our friend uh, uh, Turkey, who I guess is also from the Judeo-Christian tradition to an extent, since he's a Muslim. Uh, He sent in a message about uh, what happened uh, to Notre Dame, which we will be talking about. My name is Patrick Beja. Uh, The was it a snicker or a nod that you heard on my west, I won't say left or right, is Randy Jordan joining us at an ungodly hour, which we decided was quite godly because the sun is shining and everything is beautiful, uh, from California. Welcome, Randy. It's been a while. It has. Good morning or good day or good evening. It's uh, we. You know what? We're going to have to do this episode of, of this show is we're going to have to eliminate time zones. We're going to have to shift the entire world to a single time. I think that and, would be excellent. Yes, I do too. We just have to convince many billions of people who aren't going to like it uh, when they first hear about it. No, I think, you know, um, the, the, the interesting thing is that Whoever's time, whoever time zones we switch to won't be too much impacted. So I suggest we switch to mine. Uh, is everyone in agreement? Uh, Matthias from Germany, would you agree? It's not too far from you, so um, I'm sure you doesn't would be change okay much, with it. For, much for me. So all right, brotherly so. greetings from Germany, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but there was wasn't there an initiative by Swatch, the, the Swiss watchmaker, who wanted to introduce the Swatch time a few years back, and that didn't work out anyway. It was the internet time from the yeah, early, like yeah, sometimes in the 90s, I think. It didn't work out, but I think it would be, it's like Esperanto. It sounds like a good idea at the time, but then you realize everyone would have to uh, switch to something uh, instead of using something that some people already use, which is why I really like Randy's idea of switching to my time for everyone. Um, I yeah, was going to, no. I was yeah. going to suggest just accessing my, like, programmer brain that we all switch to one of the time zones that borders the international dateline which would actually service no one like there's there's practically <laughs> no one living out in the pacific ocean you know so i i'm definitely uh 
far, far away from your idea right now, but we can we can compromise, I'm sure. Sure. Let's let's send a proposal to the UN. It will be discussed endlessly for years and will amount to nothing in the end. I think how do, uh, that is the how way it works. The, how would the United States send a proposal to the UN? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> also, we then have to, uh, even if we have a proposal, then uh, friends would just ignore it and say, well, we don't like foreign things, so just ignore <laughs> France? Why? What do you mean, France? France doesn't do that. We're very pro-European and NATO and all of that. And you always like English, the ling- English language or the German language or every other no, foreign okay. language. And uh, <laughs> you're uh, you're a bit loud on the mic. You're uh, clipping out a bit. Um, if you can okay. lower it a tiny bit. Uh, and also, in the case of languages, uh, I think it's just that. French is a, a an established basic language for the world to communicate. You know, the lingua franco, franca is is something that uh, you can't just sweep away. And also, uh, dear Matthias, would you want everything uh, to be dominated by the U- United States and their language? Would you? Would you? Oh, now we can't hear you anymore. I, I, no, I tricked you was... into silence. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I've been, I've been listening to some up. K-pop lately, and I, I really, really love how uh, so many music artists work English into their native language. You know, like the, the, these Korean musicians have all kinds of English words and phrases that they drop into, uh, you know, through, the, through their songs. And I, I really, really, I really like that because it, it feels like pandering and they're pandering to me. <laughs> well, uh, I know that habit from uh, Japanese songs, which is really funny yep. because I think most of them don't really have any idea what they're saying when they're speaking English. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's the case in, in Korea, but as much as Jap- both Japanese and Koreans hate it, uh, I've really found that uh, Korean and Japanese were very close in culture and mm-hmm. uh that extends to songs as well but um uh matthias are you back with acceptable volume i have no idea if yes my volume it works is acceptable but it works it works it's perfect <laughs> um, on the fly all right so um before we move on to our discussions and i think we're going to be talking about uh, should we start with notre notre dame uh, Notre Dame. I think we could. Um, yes, yeah, so and we're all going to say Notre Dame. That's oh, thank you. I love it. Um, I'm also going to be talking about the elections in Finland. So we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on uh, on Notre Dame. But um, I did want to mention that this show is supported by Patreon. And uh, if you enjoy what we do, if it brings you either uh, amusement or uh, some kind of uh, uh, information, please consider going to patreon.com slash thephilius.com club the link is in the show notes and that is the way the show is uh made possible because uh it gives money to produce it so thank you to all of the amazing patrons that do uh, send money my way for uh the show and if you enjoy it please please do consider going there as well um all right i'm i'm preempting everyone else i'm going to talk about notre notre dame i it's so hard notre dame when i speak english my mind my brain goes into american mode well, 
Yeah, and it's super easy to distinguish in American mode because we have a university over here called Notre Dame, and it's just it's just a university, and it's in Indiana. That's the strangest part of it. But um, <laughs> it's just like you say Notre Dame, you're talking about and, – and by the way, they're called the Fighting Irish. That's the really, <laughs> truly strange part of the Notre Dame University phenomenon. But – uh, anyway, you say Notre Dame to me. You're talking about a university. You're probably talking about a football team. You say Notre Dame, and I hear the you know the the church in France. All right, so I'll stick to Notre Dame then. How do you say it, uh, Matthias? I say Notre Dame, but uh, I have the same problem with uh, like you in German because if I talk in English, I don't say München. I automatically say Munich and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, I also have the, the same problem, but I try to pronounce it the way it is supposed to be pronounced. Same with, for example, Italian uh, city names or Italian language. Yeah, so, uh, it's it's always a challenge because I think it's fair to pronounce it the way you pronounce it in your language. Uh, but also I try to do it with names and stuff like that. Uh, turn up the volume just a little bit more, Matthias, if you can. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, obviously, I think everyone um, listening will know what happened to Notre Dame, uh, the emblematic cathedral, iconic cathedral in Paris. Um, and it's, it's weird because I was expecting when we planned the show, I was expecting to show up and talk about how our president Macron would have made announcement of um, announcements for miraculous cures of all the ailments of the French uh, society and addressing all of the problems of both the Gilets Jaunes and everyone else and fixing everything uh, because it was supposed to happen on Monday evening in France and obviously about half an hour before he was supposed to go on the air, um, we started seeing, uh, unsurprisingly, on Twitter, the first reports came. Um, we started seeing the first reports of Notre Dame um, burning, uh, being engulfed in, in flame. It was mi not minor, but it was less impressive at first. And obviously, through the following hours, um, we saw that most of the burnable parts uh, ended up burning. So that's the roof, uh, parts of the architecture on the roof, and, and some of the inside, of course. Um, it, was, it was really a strange feeling um, because I think it, it started addressing parts of my brain, and I'm guessing many other people's brains uh, in France, that we didn't really know were there. Um, there was a kind of um, despair that got hold yeah. of us um, in in a way that is... I don't, I don't, you know, I, if I say it was unexpected, I think people will say, well, of course you care about Notre Dame and it's part of your history. And But to, I, it's not like we go around, I mean, obviously when we walk around in Paris, it's always there in the background and you know it's there and you look at it and you admire it and you value it. But it's the kind of thing that you never think could be not there. It's it's like you never value the things until you lose them, right? Kind of. Uh, and it applies to everything. And and we kind you you don't realize the value you assign to uh, something like the incredible uh, uh, heritage that Notre Dame represents until it's threatened. And as we were seeing it, it was it's kind of like 
I guess, you know, the the only thing close-ish to uh, feeling that way that we've experienced in the past uh, couple of decades have been terrorist attacks. Uh, like when you first hear about the terrorist attack, uh, and and that there's that feeling of dread and uncertainty and and inability, like your inability to do anything about it, uh, that takes hold of you, and. On one hand, it's not, you know, it's not as bad as a terrorist attack because no one dies. Uh, there was one fireman that was injured, uh, apparently severely, but I, I haven't heard that his life would be in danger. So ho- hopefully he's okay. Um, but so no one dies. Uh, so that's obviously not as bad. But at the same time, it's an attack on your, uh, not an attack, but a, a, an endangerment of, of your history, of your identity and my my first reaction was to explain to people on Twitter and to the world what Notre Dame represents. Because anytime someone talks about Paris, I usually hear, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe, the Champs-Élysées, these uh, um, uh, uh, places. But people speak about Notre Dame less, I think. And so I assume that people didn't realize how important Notre Dame is. And very quickly, I realized from people replying to me, um, and it was really heartwarming, I realized that people not only know uh, Notre Dame, which I guess it was naive of me to think that maybe they wouldn't realize how important it was, but not only know, but care about Notre Dame almost as much as, as I do as we do. It, people were heartbroken. People were telling me about, you know, themselves or their loved ones actually <laughs> breaking down and crying because they were hoping to take their children to Notre Dame one day and things like that. It was, it was both heartbreaking and heartwarming. Um, so that was the initial reaction. I'm guessing you you also had uh, you you lived through it in in you know live. Um, I think there's a there's a, a a thing that happens now whenever you're watching a tragedy in real time where it accesses all of your memories of all of the other tragedies that you watched uh, mm-hmm. and you can't help but have questions you know like I I had a coworker say you know just like say out loud as soon as we found out about it Oh, I hope it, you know, I hope it was an accident. Like, you know, like because other things you've seen that have been horrible tragedies weren't accidental. And those, you know, I'm so glad right now we're not talking about a crime. We're not talking about a criminal. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's that just stinks. It, it, It leaves everyone feeling feelings that. Can you know that you can really have a hard time dealing with? Like, mm. it's 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 easier for everybody, quite frankly. Yeah, but that's that, why I think the uh, comparison to terrorism or the feeling of the same feeling is questionable. I guess I know that because of course there was this YouTube incident where YouTube's algorithm compared this thing to 9/11 automatically. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, it's not really the same as a terrorist attack because well it was an ex- apparently it was an accident and accidents happen and it's still not the same as an de- a deliberate attack on your culture Obviously, or yeah. your so it, the the, yeah. the comparison I, is a bit problematic i think i i i think the effect is similar uh but to be honest or maybe not similar but comparable um but to be honest i don't think anyone 
from what I've seen, was really thinking about that. It's just that when you see it happening on Twitter, it conjures the same kind of emotions as Randy was saying, but no one really thought, you know, there wasn't some kind of uh, uh, catastrophe. I I mean, obviously, you're going to see fake news and and conspiracy theories flare up, and I'm sure there will be for years and decades, but, but that's very fringe. As it was happening... Everyone was focused on the tragedy and the sadness, and there wasn't like people saying, "Oh, it's you know Muslim uh, uh, fundamentalists or it's a terrorist attack." People didn't think about that, or I guess didn't um, uh, uh, think it would be that. It's just that the feelings were comparable. Um, mm, but I saw a lot of that on, especially on Twitter. Oh, and I did. Uh, there were was it in German? Or? No, it, it wasn't. I, I looked at the German uh, because uh, I automatically look at uh, like the, the usual suspects, I guess, uh, whenever something like this happens, what they're saying, just to see uh, the mindset they're in, I guess. And immediately mm. they started popping up. When the, 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 the pictures popped on social media, they started spewing their hate and say, the, the the extreme one was well there was a Muslim attack they are burning down churches so they can build up mosques those were the nut jobs and then there were the uh, I guess even even politicians by the way who uh, said this is a symbol for the state of Europe it's burning our culture is collapsing the occidental culture is dying because of Islam and that's the that's the well, comparison they immediately started mm. uh, to 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 propagate after they saw this. I will say, I'll say two things. First, in France, it wasn't the case. I haven't heard anything from, I mean, yes, again, fringes here and there. And there was this incident of this uh, elected official who went on Fox News. And uh, that was, we didn't even hear about those really in France. It was completely focused on the tragedy itself. and, and, And so that was clearly maybe some rational behavior by the French uh uh, subconscious, I guess. But also, you know, Matthias, I think if you go looking for them, I think you're going to find them. You, you, and, and obviously those people that I'm guessing you're, you're referring to and that you go seek out, they're obviously going to be saying that, you know? So if you, if you go look for something on the internet, you will find it. it I don't think it means it's prevalent or you know maybe it no, is no, no, prevalent in germany I, i'm not no, saying no, it that's isn't, not but... what i wanted to say with mm. this i would just wanted to, of course if you look for them you'll find them it's just um that's um and and just to be clear that wasn't the whole sentiment that was just a small circle of right. uh, the usual right-wing nut jobs and stuff like that the, uh, if you look on the uh, i guess like normal media and everyone else everyone was devastated and had the same reaction as uh, the people in France, I guess. It's just I wanted to point out that there are immediately those uh, groups of people who start to spew their hate. And that's why I think it's problematic if you compare this to terrorism or the same sentiment as terrorism right from the start. Mm. Yeah, I I, I see what you mean. Um, Yeah. Uh, How did it play out in in the US, Randy? my view, what you know, looking at the news, the first thing we did was turn on, try to find live uh, news on television, and it, it, I'm sure it was pretty similar to your experience. It was the, you know, the only thing anyone was posting about online and social media, and uh, on on at least television news, it the, there was just constant coverage because, uh, uh, you know. 
unlike every generation before ours. Now, when something like this happens in a populated place, you have 100 different angles live uh, that people are, are streaming to the Internet. And 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 it's pretty good footage too. Like it's it's clear and obvious what's going on. And you know what was going on was an inferno, which is also really hard to not care about and look at. You know, uh, it's I, I think the the real amazing thing, the reason it's such a big story, is not necessarily because of the of of the place per se, but because of the fact that it looked in the moment like utter devastation and immediately we started seeing pictures once the fire was out we started seeing pictures and reports that the you know the main structure was intact and mm. here's all the windows that were not destroyed and so on and so on and those sort of like good news it's it's really remarkable how much we need good news right now you know that mm. that is a that is a factor in everything i've i've noticed lately like whenever there's some good news we all go to it we you know we all <laughs> share it yeah also something i saw all over the world everyone is a firefighting expert at this moment so, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, even the even true. the U.S. president, of course, but yeah, that was. I mean, there were reasons why they didn't use the helicopters and such, obviously. But uh, yeah, it was it was honestly it was hard to watch for me after a while, and uh, I just stopped and I woke up in the, the the next day and saw that the structure was intact and that it could be. Um, uh, it it will be restored and obviously you know cathedrals have been burning for centuries but uh and they have been rebuilt and that's a sentiment that is hard to acknowledge when you're in the middle of it but uh now especially with the structure the walls being there um it's going to be it's going to be fine um i do want to play this uh this uh little recording that uh, turkey sent us from saudi arabia i was curious how he uh uh view that uh piece of news from there and he was kind enough to send us a recording so let me play it now right here hi hello everyone how are you um it's been a while sorry i couldn't uh, be on the Phillies club for a while and uh, sorry, Patrick, I can't join you in this episode. Um, so everybody, uh, Patrick asked me to give you a quick update about uh, the reaction for Notre Dame uh, fire here in the Middle East. And I figured I'll give it out quickly. Um, Patrick, I'm really, really sorry to tell you that no one really cared no. <laughs> in the Middle East. Uh, uh, I have a policy of not really watching much uh, Arabic news, so I just went ahead, I checked all the newspapers, I checked some news uh, channels, and uh, apparently, mostly, they either did not mention it, period, or the reaction was, uh, oh, by the way, there was a fire in Notre Dame. Um, uh, however, that's, of course, not everybody. Uh, that's the uh, public media uh on personal level and social media and so on, uh, the reaction was uh, different, but uh, most of the people who actually did react uh, felt uh, horrible about it. Oh, I pressed pause. Sorry. And looked at it from a historical point of view. They are either people who 
were hoping to see it, who care about uh, history, or those who've been there and have experienced it. So it's kind of a divided uh, view here. Uh, depends on who you talk to, uh, how you talk to, too. Um, so yeah, um, media-wise, nothing special they're not mentioned or just a secondary something to mention uh, uh, on social media publicly people had different reactions uh, uh, um, uh, good as, as there were those who felt sorry about it who were horrified about it there are those who didn't really care didn't mention it at all um, negative feedback i haven't seen any i wouldn't be surprised if there was but most likely it's very small minority because i haven't seen any of it so that's my update about uh, the reaction in the Middle East for uh, the fire Notre Dame. And sorry about uh, something like that happening in Paris, uh, Patrick. Hopefully things will be back to normal very soon and they can fix it up. Uh, best of luck and hopefully I'll be back on an episode in the near future. Bye. Anytime, Turkey. Thank you very much for that report. I have to say I was... Uh surprised uh, maybe i shouldn't be but i was a little bit surprised i thought the maybe the religious aspect would be enough impetus to to report on it i guess they they don't really care about that that part of the world which is fair maybe I, we wouldn't we wouldn't care about theirs but uh, i do feel like and i've i just happened to be listening to some very old episodes of the phileas club recently i feel like the history of the phileas club though is Turkey telling you that something wasn't a story in the <laughs> Middle East? Like, I, I'm sorry, but that just feels like something that's happened so many times that I'm surprised you're surprised. It's Yeah, no, I think it's fair. Um, I keep hoping that something, you know, it's so big here. I have to say, though, it, it was not, I, I wonder if it was seen as something very religious in other uh, uh, countries in France, it's it goes beyond. Obviously, there's a religious, a very important religious aspect to this. Uh, that's that's obvious, but it goes well beyond it. Uh, you know, the Notre Dame is like the center of Paris, like maps wise, the point that represents the center of Paris from which all roads go um, is there, so, is in the middle of the, the so terrace before it. But I I haven't studied uh, history in a while, but. Uh, Baron Hausman uh, re reshaped everything except that neighborhood right around Notre Dame, right? Like that, there's this like tiny little spot that he completely did not touch and it's got that church in the middle. Yeah, there are two islands uh, in the middle of the city, very small, and Notre Dame is on the bigger one. And yes, I don't think he touched, maybe he did uh, one uh, big avenue through it, it's possible because it's quite large, but I'm guessing he didn't touch a lot of that uh, area. I, okay, I don't just... know for sure, though. Okay, but but like it's it's basically, it's got streets that are more than a hundred and. 50 oh, years yeah, old yeah. as well. Oh yeah, they're, they're and they're tiny and the 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 two uh islands are super crammed and it's the most expensive place to live in in Paris. Um yeah, so And it was in the middle of rush hour. Rush uh, of the middle of rush hour? 
Yeah, the timing. I mean, uh, when the yeah. cathedral started burning, wasn't it like six o'clock or something? I think it started, but we realized it like seven, seven thirty. Okay. Um, but there were a lot of tourists, obviously. I mean, Notre Dame is like the most visited monument in uh, uh, Europe. It's like 30, 13 million visitors a year or something ridiculous like that. Um, and so, yeah, anyway... Um, I, I guess there isn't a lot more to say. Uh, politics, uh, politics-wise, um, it's it's been it's created a kind of uh, uh, no like uh, a calm zone of a few days, and it's gonna start again in a few days. But uh, it's hard to say. I don't think it will serve anyone, uh, or neither the president or his opponents. We're we're very much going to get back to the gilet jaune crisis in just a few days now. Um, so it's it was just a moment for the entire French people to come together and uh, pledge a lot of money. The 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 very rich, the one percent, um, pledged a lot of money to uh, uh, rebuilding. And Macron uh, uh, said that he wanted to do, to be done within five years, which is completely unreasonable but we'll see uh experts are saying 10 to 15 probably a lot of it was preserved um and and some statues were taken away like three days before some statues on the face of the church so they will be safe they are safe uh, overall it could have been a lot worse um but uh yeah it was a, a weird night for for all of us um the other thing i oh sorry go ahead Randy. I've got. Please keep going. The other thing. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the election in Finland, um, okay. which happened a couple of days, uh, like three or four days ago, maybe last weekend, um, where something unusual happened, uh, meaning none of the parties got more than twenty percent of. Uh, it was parliamentary elections, and none of the parties got more than 20% of the votes. I think it was like 18 or 17 for the most um, votes. And the the second largest party is uh, the True Finns, which is a far-right populist party that's kind of hardline far-right populist. Um, it's not... Absolutely incredible, but it was a little bit surprising. They have been hovering around that uh, number for a while, and their argument is really all about immigration, which is, you know, it's ironic, I think, in any country, but in many countries, there's an argument to be made about immigration being, you know, being uh, 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 weighing on the country's culture, economy, whatever. In Finland... It's like they they get maybe a thousand, maybe, you know, like it's in the thousands of immigrants from uh, uh, culturally different countries like the Middle East or uh, uh, countries that where there are humanitarian crisis, crises. Um, the bulk of the immigration is Russians and Estonians, which those parties are completely fine with, or that party specifically, they never address, they never talk about, but they use the numbers of global numbers of immigration to say there's a lot of, of culturally divisive immigration, when really it's it's a very small number in a country of 5 million people. Um, but so the, it's kind of the, the usual uh, story that we're used to hearing now from, oh, I think, every country in the West. Uh, but they got... 
that they're now the second largest party in these elections. As I said, it's not completely incredible for those numbers, uh, but the difference is the other parties didn't get uh, a significant uh, uh, significantly larger numbers. Uh, that being said, Finland is used to uh, making uh, uh, coalitions to govern, mm -hmm. and it won't be so that much different now. They're not opposed to the idea of working with the true Finns in principle, but what the true Finns are saying, you know, everyone is now saying why, what they won't budge on each party. And um, so it's kind of helping uh, all of them to decide who they could form a coalition with. And um, the, the, what the true Finns are demanding is kind of in in subtext they they're not saying it clearly because they can't but it would be uh border control with Sweden essentially to make sure that the 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 right immigrants come in only like to to lower illegal immigration which as i mentioned is really not a factor um in in uh population control here and is obviously not doable because of EU uh, law, so they're not saying it. So it, it's looking like it's it will be difficult to work with the true Finns, and I think, uh, but they're not opposed to it. The parties are not like there isn't this um this kind of of dogmatic. I will not work with you because of these and these reasons. It's more of well, mm -hmm. let's see what you want okay, we can't do that, so I guess we won't work with you uh, kind of mentality here. So it's likely that the coalition will be formed without the true Finns, but not 100% certain. It's interesting how much uh, electioneering is going on in the world right now. And maybe it's just the way it is for forever now. But we pay but attention like, more. <laughs> we pay attention more. And, and, and also, I used to hear this complaint from countries outside of the U.S. that the United States uh, spent too much time worrying about the next election. But now everyone does. And, you know, there's a, a an election in India later this year. Uh, can you believe it's been five years since they elected Narendra Modi? It, there's an election in uh, Canada later this year in October. Uh, can you believe it's been five years of Justin Trudeau? This sort of thing. And it's those elections are all like they like maybe Canada uh, didn't used to call elections and put dates on them so far in advance, but now they do. And uh, I think by they've the way, always done that. I think elections have always come back, you know, at this a similar pace. Um, sure, and I don't well, think we they, don't, they certainly don't earlier. in Great Britain. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, we just we just had you know a uh, 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 yet another chance to get rid of Theresa May in Great Britain, and they didn't they didn't do that. Um, but anyway, it just seems like it's always happening now. Like there's mm. never there's never a break. And uh, by the way, I really appreciate the countries that go five years rather <laughs> rather than four. I'm not saying that I want the U.S. to have the current president for more than exactly four years of days. But the it, it does make more sense to me for some reason that five years is the right time frame for someone to actually stop running for president or prime minister and and actually lead, you know, mm. for well, that might know. be. This might be a very European view, but I don't think it don't seem to me as if there are more elections now. Well, you get a lot of more coverage and they're a lot more afraid of 
far-right uh, parties uh, getting votes in an election, but the sheer number doesn't seem to have changed, really. Yeah, I have to say that for me, as a French uh, person, it doesn't really seem that different either. Um, we're always, we always care about elections and we're very engaged. I mean, obviously not everyone, but if you look at the numbers, usually the number of voters in France is is very high compared to other countries. So to me, we're always, it's always there. Of course, when it happens in France specifically, it makes more noise, but we always hear about, you know, the German elections, the UK elections, the other countries' elections. It's it's mentioned. So to me, it also, doesn't have that same effect. Also, there's a lot of reports on a local level. So I know if uh, the Netherlands, for example, are voting on a local level, if France is voting on a local level, mm -hmm. that's maybe something you don't hear about in the US or in other uh, countries. But for us, it's just normal that there is basically mm -hmm. an election everywhere, every time. I mean, yeah, we have, for example, yeah. we have three state elections this year. So it's, it's just normal, I guess. Mm. Maybe. Well, I... Uh, it's because I you just, listen to the Phileas Club, Randy. That's I, why. Yes, it is. But I just <laughs> listened to an episode of the Phileas Club from 10 years ago where for an hour and a half, we didn't actually ever really talk about any elections. We, mm. we, it was, it was right after the, uh, uh, you know, after Barack Obama had become president of the United States and it felt at listening to it, it felt very much like we were, we were done, you know, like, well, okay. There's no elections. <laughs> I guess and, maybe we care about them them more. Maybe you're right, yeah. And it seems that elections are more impactful now. That may not be entirely a true effect, but it mm. just seems like it. It seems like there are because the it seems like in so many places the the uh, the candidates are so different that the results really make a difference. You know, maybe. like you, you, I, I've always loved it's not to, business as usual as it was for 50 years, maybe. Right. I, I, I always love to ask the question, what does the what does the entire Middle East look like if we have President Al Gore instead of President George W. Bush? And that is like that's amazing. That's that's a massive change to the world, you know, and it's just too, it's just a, a couple of. Of old dudes that were, you know, that that so, so were chosen by a Supreme Court <laughs> instead of the people who voted. But um, you know what I'm saying? So, like, when when you look at it that way, when you look at how different the whole world would be right now if we had President Hillary Clinton, it's it's kind of shocking, and you can see why we we care so much and we worry about these things so much because we we get the sense that they all of these elections at all of these levels ha offer that sort of diversity of outcome well so i would say i agree with you for the american elections i don't think it matters all that much uh you know not that much in france to a little bit maybe probably a little bit in in Germany, uh, the election itself in the UK, I don't think would matter all that much. A referendum on being part of the EU does matter a lot. Uh, <laughs> it reshapes the, the geopolitics of, of Europe and the world. Finland, I don't think matters at all beyond Finland itself and maybe the local Nordic slash. There, there could be something that would affect Russia, but it would be the Russian-Finnish uh, relationship. Um, and, and so, you know, obviously India, we might talk about India next month. Uh, that, that would, that 
is a possibility actually but india might do something more likely Ch- china it would change uh things if it was one person uh uh instead of another in india although my understanding is that the the system is very strong in in china mm-hmm. um russia obviously we all lament the power of, of many of us lament the power of putin but i think we might be we might miss him depending on who succeeds uh, uh, to him. So that's that's overall, always true. Overall, I would say the only real gigantic impact that a country can have by electing someone on the whole world is probably the U.S. I I don't think the others, anyone else, has as much power. It it is always true that you could replace someone bad for the world with someone somehow worse. But <laughs> you're countries talking about Putin, yeah. Putin uh, Trump, like the uh, that that is definitely a truth. But countries don't tend to. They they like when a country sort of has a a lapse of leadership, so to speak. You know, like that that the world approves of. They don't they don't tend to then go. Okay, we've we've found someone who's even worse <laughs> than Putin. Like yeah, it, it, I mean, admittedly. <laughs> It does feel like he is not a an elected leader, and I don't think he's he's been you know a properly elected leader for a long time. That guy, I disagree. That guy gets to, he gets to he gets to lead that country until he dies, as far as as anyone can see, right? I mean, and, and I think things have changed a lot in the past five years. Yes. But a lot of people assume that Putin, you know, was kind of a strong man for for a long time, and he was. But I. I'm almost certain that he was actually elected uh, fair and... He would have been fair and squarely elected even without the shenanigans. It's staggering. Seeing from the outside, we think of him as some kind of tending towards dictatorship and that his people are against him. I don't think that's as much the case as we in the West fantasize that it is. I wasn't proposing that last part. I was not suggesting that his people are against him and, 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 you know, that that he's being kept in this place undemocratically Mm -hmm. like that. You you can you can definitely create a democratic, uh, you know, solution that gets you someone like him for 20 years. But it really does feel it's starting to feel like it's been 20 years. And I <laughs> kind could, of has, I would yeah. not I would not be surprised if it went on another 20 years. That's I agree uh, for the future. I, I agree. I will say, however, the reason I'm saying we might be sorry that he's gone once he's gone um, is the, the state of the Russian um, political landscape is worrisome not because there isn't one person that wouldn't be good as president but corruption is still rampant and the reason why putin is so popular is that he's keeping a lid on corruption in the sense that he's keeping it contained as much as possible the effects of of the soviet union i'm not an expert that is the way i understand it but the effects are still very much present in russian society and administration today the country is very difficult to run, and and the reason I think why Putin is has such a high approval rating, in spite of all of the very bad things he's doing, and maybe that has changed in the past few years as as he's pushed his uh, uh, undemocratic movements, and he keeps to do that uh, and and measures. 
Um, but the reason he's been so actually um, uh, approved of by his people, if you go out of, of you know, maybe St. Petersburg and possibly Moscow, um, is that he's seen as not corrupted. And as someone who is actually, uh, you know, he doesn't drink. He do, he's he cultivates that image of of uh, health and strength, and and the lack of corruption is something that's very important. The the fight against corruption. So anyway, well, I mean, I'm not. It's only been a it's only been a year since he was last reelected. So we have four more years of Putin to go, regardless of what else happens. It's just going to be I'm really really more, interesting yeah. to see if. Uh, areas like uh, you know Great Britain and the United States can manage to come around to uh, you know to pushing pushing back on Russia in, in the way they used to, or if Russia continues to to get to sort of you know throw its weight around as it has for the last few years. That's the that's the really really interesting thing. You know, all of these other Western countries have elections between now and when. Uh, Putin do, does the next thing, whatever that is, right? Like last time he ran out of terms, he just kept serving only he propped up a replacement for a little while, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't allow there to be an election next time. I don't, mm. I don't know. Like we, it, it's, I, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I'll grant you that. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's been happening in the U.S.? I wonder, Randy. Yeah, I. You know, the same thing as as has been happening in the entire era of Trump. It's the it's the like it's become this uh, this um, this baseline of nonsense for so long now. Like now that we've had Trump for over two years and 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 so on, there's this baseline that that everyone got used to. Um, it actually it actually has got me looking around for, uh, you know, like what what what. Instead of asking what's going on, we need to be asking what's important and trying to f find out, you know, like trying to put focus on what's important. Um, I honestly think, uh, you know, I'm here to tell you, I think the Phileas Club could talk about uh, climate change every single episode for the rest of our lives. Like that is a, a massive, important story of global, uh, you know, impact that uh, it, it, you know, ground zero for climate change is the United States because it, it carries so much weight in uh, on that issue. And the news, uh, you know, is dire. The news is really bad uh, on that subject. Um, of course, you know, like I say, because of how it works in the Trump era uh, and Trump doesn't care about this issue and doesn't talk about it. It's, you know, you have to go looking for that news. So that's it's 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 very strange. Um, the you know overall though we just have the the constant drumbeat of uh, his you know his cabinet uh, resigns they leave and they don't necessarily get replaced. So you know not only does he have by far the most turnover that's ever taken place in the history of the United States presidency, but right now at least as we're talking in april 2019 the, he's missing a lot of his cabinet because he just can't find anyone who will work for him in a lot of jobs and you know as i said earlier we don't have a secretary to the un right now like that person just uh left and and i don't blame her but it, you know we have an acting secretary if that in in a lot of cases we have these acting secretaries who aren't actually doing anything like they aren't acting 
<laughs> they're a, a name that Trump scribbled into a blank. And then in other in other areas, we just don't have the the White House doesn't have a communications secretary uh, and hasn't for a while. Uh, they went through like six or seven people really fast in the first year of the Trump administration, where the you know the person who is the director of communications uh, would get into power and then find out you can't do this job because you're you can't work for someone who only ever lies and do communications. It's not possible. And so they all left it. There just isn't one now, right? So the news continues to be strange in the United States. It, it continues to be something that a lot of Americans are now just uh, hateful toward. They just hate the news. And, uh, you know, that it, it's kind of an effect that's flowing from the top down. Um, we, you know, we saw the, uh, the Notre Dame news a lot the last few days. Uh, last it's only been two days but the last two days uh we saw a lot of news following the uh massacre in new zealand uh that that continued to be major news in the united states for a lot longer than you might guess uh this sort of thing uh right now though uh there's a there's a really strange story today as i as i woke up um the city of denver had shut down all the schools this morning uh, because there's apparently a woman named Sol Pice who made threats that she was going to go shoot a school. And their city is looking for this suspected wannabe terrorist. And Do we know where she made the threats? Like, Well, so she, uh, I mean, we, we know that she came to Denver. She, she from Miami uh, we know she, her name, her age. We have pictures of this woman. Uh, like again, I'm just finding out about this the last few hours. But she traveled to Colorado from Florida. So she's Florida woman, which is not funny in this case. And she bought guns and then told people she was going to go shoot a school. And that's when the authorities got very concerned. And now uh, there's a a manhunt for this person. And uh, our friends, the Spagnuolo's uh, oldest son, is not going to school today because of this. Um, and that's yeah. and that, again, that's the news in the United States. But it's very common this this kind of news. So we're not. Uh, it's, it's it's not easy to startle this country lately, you know, mm. because news is so is just like this all the time. I read about the threat. Isn't it because uh, the twenty now? What is it? Twenty year anniversary, if you can call it an anniversary, of the Columbine High School shooting. Yes, that's that's in three days. We're yeah. three days from that. Oh, and she she that's the reason. Yeah, there she was there was the uh, assumption that this might be uh, a threat because of the anniversary. Mm. It's you, Randy, a few. Last time you were on, I seem to remember mm. there was um, despair in mm. your in your in the way you were talking about things. Now I'm kind of uh, detecting resignation. Um, I, I I hope not. I I hope I hope both of those are are just an effect and not the the truth. Um, there's a there's a lot to be hopeful for in the whole world. Uh, yeah, yes, it is. It is really tragic 
how badly the whole world and especially the United States leading on this issue has put off addressing climate change. Like that's that's terrifying. But uh, there's just, uh, you know, like it, it is like that's happened. Right? And we we have uh, ways to work it to our to our benefit in the future. And so it's it's really, really important that we don't despair. Right. Like that would uh, that would just be uh, resignation would be the the way to ensure that climate uh, change. Well, I'm not and, just talking about climate change. I'm I'm talking about all of it, you know, the, the, the depressing news, your president, which you don't like very much, um, not just the climate change. It's, it's, it's just, it's important to, to remember, like, I, I find it fascinating that the U.S. reelects uh, all of the people in the House of Representatives every two years, because that means nowadays, like I say, those elections never stop. As soon as in my district, as soon as we got a, a truly wretched uh, representative uh, unelected from the House in November and replaced with someone amazing, as soon as that happened, we immediately had to start thinking about, okay, now, how do we get her reelected in two years? And that's, is it every you know, that, two years? I thought it was... Yes, that's the, the House of Representatives is every two years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why the U.S. Congress is so dysfunctional in the technological age. You know, maybe... Uh, maybe a hundred years ago, a person could go to the House of Representatives and actually work for a year and a half before they even really thought about now I'm going to go home and get reelected. Uh, and and by the way, we we uh, reelect people at a lower rate than we used to, which is a good thing. But um, the you know, the overall effect in in the modern age, right? Like we're living in the age of Web 2.0 is to give us the sensation that it's all always happening all the time. And like, like I say, that, that becomes a baseline and it's not necessarily something that you get resigned to, but it, you no longer are amazed by it, right? You're, you're no longer startled when you wake up in the morning and realize, Oh, there's an election coming, <laughs> you know, like this, this, that kind of thing. And so that is, that is a difference like this, uh, the, this generation gets to experience uh, running the world differently than every previous generation. Uh, I, I do, I do understand why you hear me differently than you did maybe ten years ago, right? Ten years ago, there was a lot more, more just flat hopefulness for everyone, right? Like I, I we we elected Barack Obama and. So some people in Europe gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Like, there, there was so much hope, right? That that okay, we're gonna we're gonna put the country in in the right direction, which will take the whole world in the right direction. And would you say that? Sorry, I'm interrupting because I do want to ask this. Do you think that hope was betrayed? Is a strong word, but were you was it fulfilled to the extent that you thought it would? Because I don't feel that way. Uh, well, what we didn't think about at the time was that our fight to to change the world for the better uh, with, you know, with that sort of wave of progress, we, we didn't realize that that fight was not with uh, the the facts of the world. Right. That it wasn't like we weren't fighting to figure out how to give better health care to 
300 million U.S. citizens, right? We were fighting oligarchs, and we didn't know it. And and now now we kind of do. And there's maybe a little hopefulness there. But 10 years ago, we just didn't know. We didn't know that there were going to be a bunch of far right-wing billionaires who would do anything to stop the progress, right? Like, and by anything, I mean who would lie, who would cheat, who would prevent people from voting in Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, right? And all of that stuff was was in our future, but we didn't know it. We had no idea. Like, we, seriously, most people thought, okay, now we have we have the the big struggle, right? Which is to figure out the right thing to do and do it. We just we were struggling against the wrong thing, and mm. and we still are. Uh, you know, we we still are. Like we're we're still in a place where the probably the most powerful person in the United States is a guy named Mitch McConnell, who is, uh, you know, the embodiment of the problem with oligarchy, uh, you know, and and is is fighting against everything that might be good for the world and is winning. I, I'm not sure who McConnell but, is. Is he like the, the, the whip in some of in one of the, the houses, the, the leader of the Senate, the leader right, of the United okay, States yeah. Senate? And so the person that has has overseen all of Trump's worst moves, you know, and made them law and that, you know, that uh, again, it's there is some hopefulness just in knowing who the real enemy of progress is, you know, and that's uh, so that's good. Uh, we're uh, we we're looking back on a very recent election in the United States six months ago where a big step forward, a step in the right direction happened for at least a part of uh, the federal government. So it's just, uh, you know, we got to, we have a ways to go, but I just, uh, it, it's, it's nice to, to, you know, to find some hopefulness in, in my opinion, in realizing that we're just one election, which is 18 months from now, it's going to be the longest 18 months of your life. But we're just one election away from having a sane person in the White House who so, uh, actually cares and does the right thing. So you, you think Trump is not going to be reelected? I, I mean, I, I hope not. That would be that would like that would be a truly uh, the, the, the reelection of like this, this person who is 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 leading the destruction of the whole world like that would be a a, a just a monumental failure you know like it, it would be it's 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 it would be so bad that it's just hard to even you, you don't want to you don't want to uh plan for it right that just like why why do that you know we we <laughs> i don't know i i wouldn't be surprised if he was reelected. um i'm it's I, it's certainly possible hmm. it's just i i you know the we well, we have you, i mean you realize that everything you're saying there's half of your country that sees it in a very different light i'm not even trying to go to the extremes that we might uh, uh encounter if we were uh you know a, a daytime 24 hours news uh channel sure. Sure. But there are a lot of people who disagree with the way you're viewing all of these things you're presenting as certainties to an extent. Well, uh, sure, sure. So, so for example, the subject of the Trump administration is missing a bunch of its cabinet and there's no filling those spots in sight that no one's doing it. It's it's, it's unlikely to happen. Uh, that is a that is a set of facts that a lot of my countrymen just don't know. They don't have those facts. 
they're not being told. They're not watching something that you might... I think they don't might, care that, you, that much because the government seems to be functioning kind of as well as it was in the previous administration. And I'm sure you would tell me that it isn't. It, but, it isn't. It absolutely isn't. In fact, the government literally didn't function for mo for over a month all right, earlier but that was, this year. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, but, that was a shutdown. It, it's a different situation. It It's it's just the way of it that a maybe a quarter to a third of Americans aren't getting facts. They're just they're not getting the news about how the world is operating. And that, you know, that's something we have to work through. Sure. Yes, we have to get them some facts. We have to find a way to work around that they're they're turning on what they hear the word news. They're turning on something that's got news in its name, and they're getting fan fiction. But so while I agree that's tr that that's probably close to the truth, I think there's also a fantasy on the left side of the political spectrum. That is, oh, they don't know. If only they knew, then they would realize the errors of their ways. And to some extent, I understand the sentiment, but I also think it's a, a, a little bit patronizing and a little bit that, misguided. You're that that comes from every angle. I just, I just, I've heard that so much lately from mm. uh, right wingers who are really, really into guns. I, I find all the time, if, if I would just learn some facts, I would change my mind about guns, that I just don't know what they know. I, that, that is not a left to right thing. That is a, every, okay. every faction toward every other faction thing. And, and it makes sense, right? It makes sense that someone who adheres to Fox News uh, feels that they have facts that everybody else, if everybody else would just find out, they would all vote for Trump. Here's the thing. You can do a really simple experiment, and I've done this, and I've, I've, I've watched other people do this, and disprove that. And the experiment is you just get different news. You read, uh, you read some newspapers from different countries, from different points of view. You go, you go look at different news channels on television. If you actually do this, and it's hard to get someone to do this, they 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 fall out of the experiment really fast. But if you actually do this, if you just watch this channel and that channel, if you read this newspaper and that newspaper, and allow yourself to just al almost randomly get news, and then you turn on Fox News, you will see what I'm talking about. You will mm. see such a striking sharp difference between all the world and this one little part that really acts like fan fiction. And, uh, that, that gives me hope. I, I, I understand what you're saying, like that there's, there's also this leftist, uh, faith, right. In, in the experiment, because like you just imagine that, uh, all the different right wingers are going to accidentally do the experiment and they're just going to, they're, you're going to find out, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's all these facts, but they, yeah, that never happens. And that's not, and that's not really what I'm proposing. I'm just saying that the, the world cannot continue indefinitely working on a set of, of fiction 
you know, instead of facts. It can, can obviously it can continue for a long time, right? People can can get into office and do the wrong thing for a long time based on lies. That's pretty clear. Uh, a market can remain uh, irrational a lot longer than you can remain solvent. But what you know, what where we are right now feels like we've we've gotten to a nadir in that effect. And I, I really believe that the future is looking up. Well, here's to hoping uh, because, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I it does resonate with me, um, the idea that someone watching news from a variety of sources will probably uh, come to a reasonable conclusion most of the time. And so essentially, if someone is, is watching everything but Fox News, they will have a reasonable understanding of the world. If someone is watching, you know, everything and Fox News, they will also understand what's happening. I, I do agree, and I hope some people who are listening now and who are watching primarily or only Fox News will bear my saying this. Um, I do believe that someone watching only Fox News and that, you know, there might be a couple of uh, uh, websites that are on the same line. I do agree that they don't have an actual understanding of the actual facts of the world. I will also say that someone only watching 24 hours news channels, especially in the US, but probably in general, will have a distorted view of reality. I think that's fair. It's it's much more distorted if you're only watching for Fox News, but I do think it's distorted in that 24 hours news channels are not healthy. Um, I also might even add the the fact that there is a bias to um, American leftist media, um, not leftist, liberal. I mean, the, the large newspapers do have a little bit of a bias, but it's nowhere as large as the what the the left wing the the right wing thinks it is um but anyway that's a different conversation but um yeah i do i i i for as much as i'm pushing back on you on the idea i do agree that fox news does poison the water a little bit um and the fact fan fiction um uh uh, uh characterization makes sense to me to an extent so Anyway, um, uh, Matthias, anything you want to add to this conversation? Not in particular. All right. Because, so, uh, what we hear a lot about in, on the news about the US, but it's most of the time it's uh, whatever Trump has been saying the last few days. So, um, we're getting a little bit of background noise, uh, Randy, from your end. Can you mute yourself when you're not talking? Um, and and yes, I will agree with uh, with Matthias. What we hear from the U.S. nowadays, what how were you describing it, Randy? The baseline of nonsense. Um, sure, and and I, I can't. You can hear me now. I, yeah, yeah. I just I just want to I want to say like it's important that that you understand that uh, we're sort of using the the name Fox News to sum up. A, a, a massive apparatus of varied media sources 
in in you know coming out of the United States for the most part. Although there is there are some of them in in Great Britain. Like where I'm I'm talking about everything that and and really the the main sources are like Facebook groups in in the U.S. where your grandparents uh, are sitting at home being inundated with messages from Ben Shapiro and so on. It's not necessarily just this one channel. Uh, I can I could just hear all sorts of uh, uh, people as as you were talking, like saying, "But I don't watch Fox News." But y- you can still be in t- inside this. Uh, you know, this effect that can be described mm. as the Fox News effect, uh, you know, b- because that's that's how it has all evolved. It has evolved to capture you and capture 100 percent of your attention. Yeah. And and I really, really like your your proposal that if you ju- if you uh, if you follow everything and Fox News, at least you're getting some you're getting some reality <laughs> like, mm. i i wish that i wish that the fox news effect wasn't so insular i wish it didn't yeah. uh it didn't constantly tell people don't listen to anyone else don't read anything else yeah um and as i said i i do think that the american news apparatus in general is i mean especially on tv it's it's very difficult to get an actual idea of what's happening if you're only watching American news. Um, and we talked about Ben Shapiro actually last time with Tony uh, on the show. And I hope he's listening to this episode. But um, I would love, you know, I went back and listened to an interview, uh, Ben Shapiro, that actually someone else sent me. Um, and I I can't get past how clever he is how intelligently he gives people listening to him the tools to feel like he's being fair to the other side you know Mm -hmm. it's it really it it is a magic trick that he's pulling off um but and i would love to discuss this with tony at one point and and to go through the 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 ways i at least in my view uh he does this and and see what he thinks of my interpretation. I'd be curious to see what he um, thinks of it. But uh, yeah, I, I understand what you mean when you're saying it's not just the the, the channel Fox News. Okay, good. Sorry, M- Matthias. Yes, yes, Matthias. What is happening in? Uh, no, I was saying though the baseline of nonsense is kind of what we're getting from uh, the U.S. nowadays. And from the U.K., we've kind of, we're making our, putting our hands up in the air and going like, okay, whatever. And in the U.S. as well, and we're kind of waiting for it to be over, and we're hoping it's going to be over in a couple of years. But honestly, I'm not sure that's... And and by the way, that's not a left or right thing, if, except for Marine Le Pen specifically, uh, uh, it's it's everyone. I think most people in the world are looking. It's not a left or right thing. Like the 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 binarity of the political spectrum in the U.S. is immensely damaging to the way I think Americans view the world. And anyway, we could talk about this forever. Um, uh, yeah, there's I, I I do I do really like that point though, and it doesn't get made enough. Especially, it doesn't get through to the people in power in the United States that on the left and the right in every other country, they they look to the U.S. and the U.S. appears to be even farther to the right. 
Oh like yeah, that's, yeah, that's absolutely. That's something that they don't they don't know they don't believe you know, uh, mm, and and it's just yeah. it's it's just one of those facts that it, you know we we have to keep trying to get in to that that yeah. you know that well, bubble. Well, I'll I'll again repeat it. Everyone in the Western world looks at the U.S. and thinks you are unreasonably to the right of the political spectrum uh, overall. And that's not just, you know, the, the conservative or uh, specifically, overall, the U.S. is unreasonably on the right and is not. Anyway. All right. Baseline of nonsense. Uh, it would be the title <laughs> if it wasn't uh, already taken by something, you know, along the lines of Notre Dame is for the whole world. Um, okay. <laughs> all right. To take us. Uh, uh, to to finish the episode, uh, Matthias is going to be explaining to us how wonderful Germany is right now, how everything is working perfectly, and it is a beacon of hope for the Western civilization. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are so many things going on, and but I think I'll just sum it up uh, with uh, protests, protests, protests because there have been a lot of those lately uh, on a different number of different topics. Um, for example, um, there was, of course, the, something you have, might have heard about the EU right, copyright law, the reform of the copyright law in the mm -hmm. EU parliament. That was a huge uh, protest and movement against that in Germany. Um, we have the Fridays for Future. You might have also heard about that. If oh, these uh, ones I didn't actually. I guess it's about climate change. It is. And uh, then there is a, a protest. There are protests about the increasing amount of rent you have to pay in large cities. And uh, then there is the usual stuff like new police laws and new uh, security laws people are protesting against. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'll just start with uh, the copyright reform because that's something a lot of people all over Europe should have probably heard about but most likely didn't um oh i think i were... mean at least in france we heard about it quite a bit you heard about it uh, but you didn't care um so it's it's kind of difficult because i think everyone has heard about what it is um but in france we have a a, a strong content industry in cinema and many other areas that are strongly lobbying for that law. Um, so the people, I think, are unhappy about it, um, but the, the actual uh, economic forces are for it. And myself, having looked at the actual text, I was very worried about the the initial versions and in a in a move that might surprise and disappoint you Matthias I am not as worried about the current versions where I think a lot of safeguards have been added so I look at it and think well there's a lot of hysteria about it and I don't think it's as bad as everyone else is saying it's not great but it's not as bad well, we don't know how bad it really will get, but um, it's it's uh, just um, the protesters aren't against a copyright reform as a whole, but more about these uh, three articles, which were initially uh, 11, 12 and 13, which have different numbers now after the uh, vote. 
but uh, it's it's the upload filters and uh, the I don't know uh, the link tax essentially yeah, how the link tax yeah. I was going to say Leistungsschutzrecht but no one knows what, <laughs> <laughs> what that is no, apart yeah. from Germans obviously uh, that's what I'm talking about the the rest yeah. of it is not is somewhat inconsequential but yeah, yeah that's what I'm but talking about but there was a well. really fierce fight over mm -hmm. here uh, and it wasn't uh, it was for one of course uh, the media because they have a vested interest as you said the link tax they they have uh, they are not unbiased, and that showed up in a lot of the reporting. And then there were the politicians who were for the reform and wanted to lobby on behalf of the content industry. And they that, that almost got out of hand to the point where they were actually trying to discredit protesters and uh, were insulting them. And a lot of the, uh, especially younger voters who maybe are now voting for the first time, uh, had a very negative experience because over, over 200,000 people went to the streets in Germany and Austria and uh, they were completely ignored, basically. Uh, and that's something that will probably not sit well with them or hopefully. And it has turned uh, pretty nasty, I guess. And it was a pretty fierce fight. And I maybe... That's why uh, the politicians in the EU parliament tried to get this vote over as quickly as possible so that there will be a, a little bit of time between the vote and the yeah. election in May. So there might be <laughs> enough time for them to forget what they did. I guess. That's, that feels like the, uh, the, the, the preferred scenario of someone who doesn't like that, those laws at all. Uh, it sounds like that to me. But what would you have liked the 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 government to do 200 people in the streets so we rescind the law we voted what no but uh, if for example uh, the german government uh, the, the coalition in the german government uh, had a treaty and they explicitly wrote in this tweet we don't want upload filters so the logical consequence would be well if we are negotiating on a european level uh, we um, try to negotiate for no upload filters and now we have them and they uh, but you don't think they forward. tried to negotiate for no upload filter and they didn't no, manage actually, to find a compromise they didn't because there was there were reports about a deal uh, between germany and france and if uh, france was lobbying for the proposal and uh, uh, Germany was uh, not completely against it, but opposed to it. And they say, well, if you vote for the copyright reform, then you'll get your gas pipeline. And so they changed their vote. And uh, now we voted for the copyright reform. So I don't want to sound too patronizing, but you're, you realize that's how diplomacy works, right? You give something and you get something in exchange. And if every country... I'm trying to push it uh, uh, artificially because I think, uh, you know, it's important to, to point it out. If every country in the EU never budged from anything they wanted, nothing would function, right? And, and it, you, you give something, you, you get something in exchange. You specifically are against that upload filter. I happen to be against it as well. But taking a step back, it's... We can't have all our specific demand be implemented a hundred percent of the time, right? Right, but again, it was it wasn't the whole treaty, the treaty as a whole, but uh, this specific part. So uh, the uh, council could have maybe made changes to this specific article, or uh, you make it sound easy. It was the subject of intense yeah, debate yeah, of and anger. It was, yeah. <laughs> 
no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not trying to say it was as easy as just vote no and that's it. Mm. But again, it, what I'm trying to say here is that a lot of people were against it, and uh, they now feel as if the politicians just ignored them outright, mm. and not just ignored them, but also made fun of them, discredited them, and uh, in some cases even insulted them. So that's just something I wanted to convey in. The context of all these protests and yeah. the other ones i'm just um wanted to get to the other one that was interesting that's the friday for future protest because uh, those are protests by students and uh, they are um, protesting on fridays they're skipping school and go out and protest um all oh, right i did hear about them about those yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right for the government mm -hmm. to uh, do uh, to increase their efforts for uh, to prevent or not prevent but to um uh limit the climate change and uh, this is another point where politicians are doing mental gymnastic i guess to just do anything to not actually respond to the issue itself but try to belittle or uh, discredit the protesters. For example, they are saying, well, you're just skipping school. You don't care about climate. If you would have done this on a Saturday, then we would have listened to you, but now you're just skipping school. Or they are saying, well, you're too young to know anything. Go to school first, study, and maybe in 20 years you can do something about that. Mm -hmm. And along those lines, of course, not all of them, but again, a lot of them are trying something like that to uh, shift the focus away from the real issue. And um, that's something that a lot of the young people don't really like. I will and, say, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go, go on. I, I will say on that front, I think it is a global uh, movement in Europe, at least. I can feel that the um, increased... Uh, uh, potency of the message of the green parties or not it's not even about the parties it's about the issue of climate change and it does bear a lot more weight than it did you know obviously 20 or 10 years ago but even five years ago i think the way i feel it right now is that the a lot of voters uh, who are disillusioned with many different parties are going to end up voting green in the upcoming elections. I don't know exactly what happened or what changed, why the strongly worded messages that we've been hearing for a long time now are finally impacting us more than they did before but it feels like maybe it's the you know the the different protests by the young people across europe we of course have heard about the the swedish uh young lady i can't remember her name i apologize but um and many others. there you go um and even you know randy is also bringing this up which i'm not sure he did uh in in previous episodes but it feels like kind of now is, is the time. Obviously, now is too late already, so let's save what we can. But it feels like a lot of people who might not have voted Green before will do so. And it, I'm not saying it will become the majority party in every uh, country at the next in the elections going forward. But I think it will have a, a significant uh, portion of the uh, votes. I, and, and I'm not sure why it's changed. Or maybe it hasn't. Maybe it's just my impression. But... Yeah. But again, it's young people have the feeling that their interests are not being served. And they're actually saying, well, you are killing us. 
Yeah. I mean, if you if you are a politician in your 50s or 60s, you will be dead by the time climate change change goes into full effect and you won't care. But we have to live with yeah, the yeah. consequences of your uh, actions and you don't listen to us. So that's, the again, something that a lot of people are frustrated about and trying to voice whenever you talk about politics. And um, yeah, well, I'm have... sure a lot of sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sure a lot of them will be in age old enough to vote in the next elections. And that is actually something that a lot of people expect will shift the balance uh, because there are more young people uh, uh, turning 18 every day and more old people dying every day. So um, I think saying you don't listen to us is understandable, but there is a way to make people listen and that's to vote and it will happen uh, maybe not yeah, soon enough, an, but it will happen. In an ideal world, it wouldn't just be the election. It's you know, not like you have every four years, but there's also the civil uh, engagement, the, the, the uh, protest movements, the, the, the pressure of uh, interest groups and all that. Of that, I think, is very dangerous thinking because it's fine when those protests serve your view. But what happens when there's 200,000 people uh, demanding, uh, 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 you know, Uh, xenophobic measures? What happens when the far right rallies 200 people to march on Berlin and say that we they should uh, stop uh, receiving uh, uh, foreigners and people who are demanding aid from the Middle East? And now Will you at that point say, oh yes, but we should listen to the protests? No, but now uh-huh. you're comparing something that is out of the question, that there is climate change and there needs something to be done with something that is completely unacceptable, like taking uh, human rights away. And if That's only completely different. And if only you don't see how that logic of someone deciding what is out of the question and what is defensible is problematic when you don't pass this through the filter of the elections and you decide... Uh, uh, on the uh, protests of however many hundreds of thousands of people? You don't see how that's problematic? Because if there are 200,000 people... No, I don't see anything problematic with that. That's clearly defined. No, it's not. You're saying there are 200,000 people marching in the streets for climate change and we should listen to them. But if there's 200,000 people walking in the streets saying we should have stricter immigration policy, uh, you're saying, no, that should, we should not be listened to them. You don't see that's a problem. Uh, no, you com- I think we're talking uh, on different things now, because if at first you were saying something anti-Semitic and now we're back to copyright. The problem no, no, is... No, 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 I was talking about uh, reducing, uh, like affecting immigration policy. Well, there's always the question on uh, if you, you there are different interests need to weigh against each other, but you can't just reduce it to every four years you get your say and that's it. You still can make your interests heard and then it is uh, an, a weighing of interests. And I mean, not everyone who is voting on an issue is an expert, so he needs opinions and information and that's the way you provide them. And if you say, if you um, take to the streets and make yourself heard, you're signaling them that's an important issue for us. And please listen to uh, whatever information you get from the different interest groups and weigh them carefully. And don't just go by, for example, your party line or whatever your usual MO is for voting if you don't know what you're voting about. 
I completely agree with you, except I can't help but note again that you only think that way when you agree with the people in the street, I suspect. When you strongly disagree with the people in the street, you you would say, oh, you know, we no, we shouldn't do that. I would say no. I don't. I mean, it's it's uh, you putting this now on the table because I said before, well, there were 200 people, and now the copyright reform should have been maybe been different. Oh no, no, no. I'm talking but about the the. No, no, I'm not co- going back to the copyright thing. I'm talking about specifically the climate change. Uh, now I'm confused. Sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is this is actually a really good example of why you do benefit from there always being a, being an election coming up. <laughs> and it, like, like I remember being so uh, dismayed when Trump was elected and then there were huge protests in the United States because it does nothing. That's a that, like it's, it's great to organize. And yes, there's some knock on effects that happen later down the road. But you really you're better off if the protests happen before the election and when everyone gets uh you know a, a better understanding of what the issues are and you get voters whom you might not have gotten otherwise and so i, I you know i think there's like protests are more effective based on or less effective based on when they happen and not necessarily how big they are or who constitutes them mm-hmm. because the only the only real effect of a protest comes if it causes the people who are leading who have power to take concern right like it, it, they it, the the protest right after Trump was inaugurated did not cause Trump to think, "Ooh, I'm I'm about to lose an election." No, he did. He actually thought the opposite. I'm glad this is happening now, and I'll make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen right before the next election. Yeah, I think in a sense you're kind of saying what I'm saying as well, which is protests are. I don't know. The elections are what matters. Um, but they're mattering in the sense that you can maybe have an influence on who is in power, but uh, it's not just not not every change needs to be that drastic to ha- uh, have influence on an issue. I mean, I, maybe I maybe I'm an, a conservative who, for some reason, uh, needs uh, thinks there needs to be more done on climate change. So I, I would still vote for the conservative party, but I would still go protest uh, for the people in charge to take notice. Mm. I don't see a, a, a something something a problem there. I under, I agree with that, but I do think that you know. It, I don't know exactly how they're taking notice or not taking notice in the German government. Maybe they are being as dismissive uh, as they can be. Um, I guess that might be a, a concern. I'm just, I, I'm just pointing out that um, I'm pointing out that enacting policy on uh, the whims of a few hundred thousand people in the street is a dangerous way of judging the will of the people. The will of the people is judged accurately at elections, and that's the whole point of elections. Uh, the the, the uh, protests are a, a, a movement that might be important, but that is not representative enough to warrant policy change 
in most cases. Maybe in some cases it could be, but it can also be uh, very destructive and it can impose the will of the few angry on the majority that doesn't want that. And we're, and we're talking about peaceful protest, right? Because violent protest yes. is this whole other subject. It is, Of a, course, of course, it, yeah. It, all, it, it, like, just to be clear, they're all peaceful protests. Right, right. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Like just the, to be clear. If you, if you put, it doesn't matter if a leader is facing re-election, if you put them in, in actual fear and peril. Right. Like that. That's a different that, that's a totally different thing right, right. where where leaders tend to we tend to find out what a country is really made of. Right. When when protests uh, start burning things and shooting at people, um, the <laughs> the you know, the, the thing that I keep thinking of, though, as you're as you're talking about uh, Germany or really any uh, any sort of peaceful protest in Europe for a while is that it's all it's entirely about immigration right like there's really not another another subject that that rises to that level right um i mean the no. gilets jaunes aren't talking about specifically immigration in france and in in germany apparently it's not about immigration it, so well, I would say the no. immigration issue makes the news a lot and i guess it right. makes the world news but there are a lot of other issues and i think mm. uh, they're coming up again because now we as i said we have state elections coming up this year so this will be coming as a topic again but at the moment it's not so much an issue anymore mm. i always All i always right. love to I always love to bring up Canada on this show. I just, I, I love what Canada did years and years ago where they, uh, they drew a line around entertainment and said, uh, if we're, if we're going to survive as a country that has any sort of Canadian entertainment or any sort of Canadian news, even we have to protect it. And as a result of that as a result of them legislating there has to be a certain amount of what people are consuming in Canada that's made in Canada suddenly lots of things that were previously being made in the United States are now being made in Canada and you can solve these kind of issues with legislation you can legislate ba what's basically a tariff in in in, in a way that you get positive results for your country. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. I, I, I watch TV, you know, a lot in my whole life and I can't get over how much of what we watch in the United States is made in Vancouver. And it's, it, it's almost entirely because, uh, they figured out ways to, to legislate that into existence. Yeah. Well, we have a similar system in France and the reason why the French cultural, uh, uh, economy is so strong with cinema and etc. is because of those protective laws. But that could be an interesting topic for another show. Uh, we do yes. have to, to finish up. I want to give Matthias uh, an opportunity to, uh, to give us the conclusion of this episode. I just want to make two points uh, real quickly to close this topic, okay? First of all, I'm not uh, voting for a mob mentality or whatever you were trying to say. And I'm not saying that whatever the people on the streets are saying needs to be done because I am a, a proponent of democracy and the elected democracy. So it's just that uh, I think that the protests are a viable method of making your voice heard even outside of elections and an important uh, part of the decision-making process of every uh, elected representative. 
I think uh, that's fair, which yes. he should mm-hmm. take he or she should take into account, and uh, maybe even use to uh, for again agenda setting. I guess because if there is something uh, important enough for uh, several hundred thousand people to go on the streets, it might be something you need to look at. That's number one, and number two, I just. Uh, wanted to make clear that uh, even though many people think they're not being heard enough in terms of climate change, it's not like the German government is denying climate change or anything. We don't have a Trump who's saying, well, uh, there is no climate change. They all agree on that. And they uh, also say we need to do something about that. It's just the degree in which they, of of the measurements they're taking. So many people think uh, too easy on the industry and too easy on um, industry lobbyists who are pushing for laxer measures and say uh, and just uh, try to say we need to do more than we do now and we need to do it a lot faster than we're doing it now mm. and uh, it's not like they're not being hurt completely it's just the degree i guess in which they're differing and the younger people are saying um if you do it, don't do it now uh, when we get into power, it's too late. So you're playing with our lives now, and that's the reason why we take to the streets. Mm. Just wanted to make this clear that it is not like they're not being heard at all or anything. No, Just, that's so, very fair, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I, I did uh, artificially... I play devil's advocate. I, I always do. Uh, that's a function, I think, of this show and my personality. But uh, ultimately, when you present it in the calm and rational manner that you just did which you actually were before uh and and cut off my uh uh pugilistic instincts it makes a lot of sense so i agree and i think i i just want to say i would love to talk to you for an hour about the news around climate change uh it's it's broad it's fascinating since the last episode of uh, Phileas Club, there's been a report that the so-called Attenborough effect led to a major drop in the use of uh, single-use plastics in Great Britain. There's been a report that uh, you know that the Trump administration was trying to uh, open uh, Arctic oil drilling, and that got st- that got stopped. You know, there, there, like, there's, there's just a ton of very interesting things happening all the time on that news front. And uh, it, it, like I say, I think it's the the biggest uh, story of our lifetimes and something that we're not following enough. Yeah, certainly turning out to be. Um, all right. Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much to both of you for uh, coming on. And Randy, since you woke up so early, please let us know where we can find more of you if uh, we want to. Oh, it's such fun on uh, twitter.com slash Randy Deluxe. Uh, I, I have had open uh, direct messages for a while on Twitter, and it is fascinating. I wish I could – I wish there was a way that I could show the world. I, I, there needs to be some tool I can use to show you. Like a website. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Randy Deluxe on Twitter. That's the best thing. Excellent. You should do that. D- take screenshots, obscure the username, and post them on the website. It would be fun. Uh, Matthias, what about yourself? You can also find me on Twitter. On The, uh, the handle is at Matzekult, which is M-A-T-Z-E-K-U-L-T. And if you're using Mastodon, you can also find me on there on the instant chaos.social. And I have a last request for everyone living within the EU 
If you are living in the EU, please remember that you have the opportunity to go to vote in May on the uh, European Parliament elections. And please make sure to closely look at uh, who is representing you and make your choice. It doesn't matter really who you vote for unless it's... Uh, like something anti-EU, then I don't support that. But uh, please make sure you go look at the issues and not just at party affiliation and make your voice heard. Completely agree. They're coming up at the end of May and you should absolutely be involved because it is increasingly important. Um, and uh, yeah, so vote in the EU elections. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Frenchspin.com for the website. If you want to let us know what you thought about what we discussed today or anything else, you can also find Pixels, the gaming show I do on that uh, site as well. And if you enjoy the show and want to support it, as you know, it's at Frenchspin.com. No, it's at Patreon.com slash The Phileas Club. And the link is in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.